welcome back to a divisional round NFL playoffs edition of the Pulp Diction Podcast. I'm joined today again by Tyler Gump, as promised from last week. Sadly, Kurt Mingus decided that a business meeting he had to prepare for was more important than the podcast, so fine shame on Kurt Mingus. But, but as a bonus, it is Tyler Gump's birthday today, so win some, you lose some. Tyler, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm old. I'm yeah, old. I'm, on the, I'm officially on the wrong side of 25. Woof. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at least I'm not a Bills fan. That is good. That is good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had promised Kurt we would do 25 minutes of Bills stuff if they won. And Jacksonville <laughs> not- tried to give him the game, but it just didn't take. They, yeah. Uh, Blake Borders was really doing his best to get uh, 25 minutes of uh, – he wanted to listen to 25 <laughs> minutes of Bills talk. But he uh, even he could not do it. It was – ugly oh my god that game was atrocious uh-huh like uh, i was w- i was with kurt at the time and he was uh he was okay <laughs> he, he expected it it was uh he, he was he was bummed but he was uh i mean as a bills fan you expect these kind of things <laughs> i mean on the plus side i think i think more bills fans drove from buffalo to see the game than jags fans went like it was a bills crowd mm-hmm. bills mafia they're the real winner <laughs> <laughs> Even when they lose, they win. Yeah, I mean... I hope they brought their tables. I do, too. I mean, that team was so bad. Like, like the Jags are really bad on offense and then have, like, a competent defense. And I was actually impressed with the Bills' defense, but good God. It was just a rock fight. Like, like you would turn away from the game for five minutes, come back, and there had been three punts. And was definitely... You could see, like, the, the quarterbacks were really laying off. I think they were just like begging Tyrod Taylor to beat him, um, or in a you know a banged up Shady McCoy. I don't think they were really flying around. But even then, when they didn't fly around, they got two picks, um, one on Nathan Peterman, so really one pick. But uh, ugly game. I mean, that is when you hold the team when you hold your, the team to three points and you still can't cover. You know something is up with your offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean Peterman. Peterman like. When he started that one half and threw five picks, like I really thought that was going to be the worst I ever saw from him, but he came <laughs> damn close in this game in like four plays. <laughs> what was it? He had a fumble, an interception. He fumbled, first down. but they recovered a pick. He like eked out a first down, and I think there was like a bad incompletion. Right. That's, uh, I mean, that's all. We got to call that a Peterman now. In the span of four plays, the backup <laughs> comes in and. <laughs> and does and fills up the stat sheet in the complete wrong way. So I did see um, your guy Chris Sims made some uh, some national media because um, he called Blake Bortles the 70th best quarterback in the NFL, and someone's like, That's oh, I've been outrageous. loving, I've been <laughs> loving listening to that on. Uh, I haven't, I haven't listened to the last couple of Lebitards, but um, it's been really funny. It's been really funny listening to him try to come up with 60. He clearly was not prepared to come up with 69 more. Uh, Better quarterbacks, but I mean, Borders has kind of proven him right so far. Oh my I'm god! Proud of my yeah. proud of my former uh, coworker. Yeah, I <laughs> so I I saw this quote from Blake Bortles, and I think most people have probably read it or heard it, but it's really worth rereading. So, like, I guess he's feeling himself after throwing for ninety yards and winning a playoff game. <laughs> um, someone's like, you know, Blake, how do you deal with the constant criticism or whatever? He's like. It'll probably never stop. There's people who think LeBron sucks, so if that happens, I'm sure there'll always be people who think I suck. Oof. <laughs> it's like, you did, 
you did not just compare yourself to LeBron. The persecution is comparable to LeBron. That's oh man. Yeah, he's a, he's kind of emotional. Oh it's my weird. God. You'd think he'd be used to it by now, but uh, guess it's, not. It's like every LeBron argument. Everyone times like, oh, like you know, LeBron's the best ever, but like that's always the caveat. Or like LeBron's the best player in twenty years. LeBron's the best player alive. Like something like that. Every Blake Bortles insult is just like. God, he sucks. He's a You're just terrible. <laughs> and there's no rebuttal. There's no rebuttal. I mean, other than you had you had 89 rush yards. I mean, unfortunately, you had 88 passing yards. Um, God, he was bad. I don't know what you can say. Uh, I mean, like, LeBron's haters are, are you know, old people who are obsessed with Jordan and are, you know, Barkley, those guys. And then you have, like, stupid Lakers fans who are, you know, adamant that Kobe's the second best player of all time. Like, yeah. ugh. Bortles just can't. He's no LeBron. He's no. <laughs> that's that's my takeaway. That's such a boring hot take. Check. He he wins a playoff game by throwing for eighty yards and then compares himself to LeBron the next week in the media. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like I, God, they're gonna lose by so much this week. Um, yeah, I mean Bortles in that game, like, yeah, he threw for eighty yards. That almost makes it seem like he played better than he played, because like especially in the first half. He missed, like, seven or eight throws that I would expect a high school quarterback to make. Yeah. And easy throws. I couldn't – I mean, I don't know – what was it? Fournette didn't seem right from the jump. He's not healthy. I don't even know who – oh, Chris Ivory is their backup running back. Um, I actually think is all right. But they couldn't – they weren't getting too much success. So um, I think they were trying to – they were trying to sort of ease uh, Bortles into it. But, I mean, it just backfired. I mean, he just had the yips. I mean, it was like uh, you know, that guy who couldn't – who's the guy? John Lester who, like, can't throw to first to, like, pick a guy off. <laughs> yeah. It was like that with every single one of his receivers. Yeah. Um, to his credit, they're not great receivers. Uh, Hearns is down. I think – what was it the other one? Allen Robinson. The two Allens, like, they're not healthy. It's, they have, like, D.D. Westbrook in, like, an undrafted guy. But um, – so he's not working with a ton of talent. But, like, as you say, those were high school throws. Um, and that must – that now you're going into eight degree weather with wind at Pittsburgh. Like, how are you going to complete a single pass? Yeah, uh, that's just bad. Um, let's let's hit the rest of the games from last week quickly before we jump to this week. Um, so Titans Chiefs, Andy <sighs> Reid. My God. Uh, oh my God. For him. Where did I have? I had the Chiefs. I had some teaser with the Chiefs. All they had to do was win by two and a half. He is. Uh, I mean, you were um, you were you were dead on with uh, you know. I think I think you no. You said you mentioned that Andy Reid would like be a real hindrance in this game, and I was just like, yeah, but <laughs> but like it's got to end eventually. Like it does not. Um, I think I said the only feasible way I can think of the Chiefs losing this game is because of Andy Reid. Yeah, uh, I actually I was not watching this game. I sort of just I, I watched you know the highlights and the recap. I will say they got this was the worst officiated game. Of all time. I mean, that Jeff Triplett call uh, with the, the forward progress. Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about when Derek like Johnson. Of a second. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a forward. Pro- I mean, that was a horrific, horrific call. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and then you get the, uh, the, the, the Mariota pass the touchdown to himself. Um, yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple bad, bad beats in this game. But, I mean, it, the, the, the curse is real, man. Andy Reid is, he's snake bit. I feel like one that's happened to you enough times before and, like, the team kind of feels that energy, 
like once you have one bad break hit you, everyone just assumes the next one's coming. <laughs> like there's just yeah. a horrible vibe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your whole team is just like, oh, not again, not again. Uh, you know, everyone can feel it. Oh, I mean, again, also Kelsey was out. I mean, every I, I don't want to put too much stock into Andy Reid on this one. I mean, like Kelsey was on his way to having like like 200 yards and like three touchdowns because the Titans can't cover a single tight end. Um, yeah, they built uh, their game plan around Kelsey, but and he kind of, you know, got out. But yeah, uh, t- tough break. I, I lost some money on that one. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, I did see that the Bears hired uh, Bears hired Matt. I think it's Nagy. Nagy? Nagy? Yeah, I, I saw that. It's not a name that inspires confidence, but they hired the Chiefs offensive coordinator. And, like, I'm reading, like, the little article ESPN farts out so they can be the first, like, person to report the news. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're like you know, Bears have announced they're hiring Matt Nagy, like, former Chiefs offensive coordinator. Like, he took over play calling news for Andy Reid, you know, in week 11. It's, like, Nagy went under fire, <laughs> like, <laughs> for his abandonment of the running game in the second half of the playoff game. And then it's like John Fox, your place is John Fox, who was 14 and 34 over three seasons. I'm like what part of yeah. this inspires confidence? <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'll, I'll devil's advocate here and I'll say that you could see what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to, I think everyone is trying to find like the next Kyle Shanahan in terms of like a young offensive coordinator who can, yeah, exactly. A quarterback. Exactly. Like Sean, Sean McVay. Um, I think you want to, yeah, you want someone who could sort of be a quarterback whisperer, and they're and the the bizarre thing with Nagy is that when he came in, they they started running the ball more and what ripped off like five straight wins. Like they, you know, they remembered that they had Kareem Hunt, who's you know a great rookie running back, and then in the second half of the game, they just <laughs> they just kind of forgot that. Um, I'm not I'm not completely against the hire. I won't be completely pessimistic. No, here, I'm I'm fine with it too. I just I meant that like you know I just read the the article they wrote really quickly and I was like, wow, there's nothing positive in here. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, they got him, they got Helfrick, who's the guy who took over for, uh, the Oregon guy at Oregon. Chip mm-hmm. something, Chip Kelly. Um, so like they have like a couple new agey offense guys and I think they'll run some fun stuff, um, which is exciting. Maybe they'll let Mary, uh, Trubisky throw the ball more than 10 times a game. Maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then, you know, they'll get a, <laughs> They'll get Tariq Cohen and, and Jordan Howard running. Like, there are pieces there. There are reasons to be hopeful. Yeah, um, I would love there to get Tariq Cohen yeah. and Jordan Howard 20 touches each or 15 mm-hmm. touches each. I think that's totally doable and possible. Yeah, if you can get Trubisky going, you got two good running backs in a league where you absolutely need to have two good running backs. If you only have one good running back, you basically have no good running backs. Um, yeah, because A will so, hurt and B yeah, can't run yeah. someone 30 times a game unless they're Le'Veon Bell. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not against it at all. And, you know, I think to spend some time on the Titans, like, Derrick Henry's good. Derrick Henry's good, and Mariota, between between the hashes, can throw the ball. Um, that was not a fluke. That was not a complete fluke. Fluke, I'll say that. They were, they surprised me. No, yeah, Mariota, I like Mariota. Yeah, I've always, I've always wanted him to do well, and I've always been, you know, kind of mystified, like, I don't think that I don't think they run him right. I don't think Malarkey knows what he's doing at all. And I think they try to have him do like two hard throws or, you know, sort of just slow the game down when I think he's sort of best is like sort of like, a, you know, no huddle kind of running around, you know, using his legs more. I think what I was talking about last week with the, you know, if he's got to get his legs going, that could give the Patriots some problems, I think. Um, 
it, he's he can do some stuff. I mean, we'll see how Belichick plans for him. I think he's going to completely take away the middle of the field. I don't want to get too far ahead, but um, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's uh, I think the Titans played well. Yeah, it no, was not I, a complete fluke. I, I totally agree with you that I don't think they use Mariota correctly. Um, you know, if you saw him, I mean, in college, a lot of guys were like this, but he's kind of a, a spread expert. You know, every play feels completely stretched, totally leverages his speed, just unfair to guard. Yeah. Then you look at like, I know I just shat on Andy Reid, but the dude is a legitimate offensive innovator in the league. You look at how mm-hmm. the Chiefs run their offense with Alex Smith and they blend like kind of real like power runs and off tackle runs, like a lot of diversity of runs with a tiny bit of zone read stuff and then like a spread passing attack and i think that's kind of exactly how you'd want to use Mariota. um but like malarkey's kind of a hack and they do like a lot of like two tight end like power run like just stuff that like Mariota could do if he was as slow as you know philip rivers right yeah it's a lot of it and it's so formulaic it's run into the middle of the line two yards, you know, run into the middle of the line, no gain. Now you got a third and eight with Mariota. Like, that's not his game. You want to, you know, you want to, like, pick up the tempo, um, you know, mix up, like, a lot of play action. Um, there's a way to use him that he's not been being utilized. But, you know, if they're there, they have a hell of a test coming up. Let's see if they can, you know, figure out, like, how to use him. Absolutely. Because um, he's, he's talented. He is. Um, do you have thoughts on the Falcons-Rams game? I feel like it kind of played out how I thought it would, and I feel good about what I said. You were, that was a great pick, and I was kicking myself that I, uh, that I believed in the Rams. Like, that was a crazy line, um, six and a half, in, in hindsight. Uh, yeah, I mean, they protected a lead, which is, uh, <laughs> for once. I mean, they learned, I guess, uh, I saw a stat that they had the ball in the third quarter for over 13 minutes. Yeah, that's, they just held the ball. Yeah, that is that's what you have to do, and this is a different this is a different offense. I mean, even though they have all the same personnel, um, you know, this is just they're not they're not who they were last year. But they have two good running backs, um, and you know, and they could just you know do crosses to their athletic wide receivers. Um, I mean, Jones is like everyone thinks Jones is like a deep ball kind of guy, but he's also amazing at just crosses. He's um, amazing at everything. He's amazing at everything, and you know they threw it him nine times, and he caught the ball nine times, like just like easy, easy catches, and uh, you know, and let him do Julio Jones things after the catch. I mean, yeah. that is that's the formula here, um, and that's a really interesting team. I think they, uh, yeah, their Super um, Bowl odds cratered. They were plus twenty two hundred when we did the last pod. Now they are plus six fifty. Yeah, that was the future I liked the most. I don't, I don't. Th- those futures always scare me. I just feel like you're, you're better off just taking the money line each time. But um, yeah, they are. That's a that's a for real team, and their defense is playing well. They got this guy, De, it was a Deion Jones, yeah, middle linebacker, played Jones. really well. Um, got out on the got out to a lead, you know. So sort of like while Gurley did play really well, he just didn't get the ball that many times. Um, so that's what they got to do. But uh, you know, it's a different Falcons team, and like I think if they kind of learn from their mistakes from last year, which it seems like you know they're on their way to doing, then this could uh, you know, they could make some noise. Absolutely. Um, totally agree. And then Saints-Panthers, I thought that was a great game. I mean, I think I was a little too bullish in the Panthers, uh, particularly their skill position guys. I mean, McCaffrey had a real nice, like, 70-yard touchdown with, like, four minutes left that kept the Panthers alive. Um, but short of that play, you know, it was, like, Greg Olson, who looks like he's 75%, and yeah. just— scrubs and Devin Funches who was 40% basically 
Yeah, um, they're they were terrible, and their offensive line has been terrible all year. That was it was just Cam. Is that the best playoff game Cam Newton has ever played? Like maybe not stats wise, but he put that team on his back. I he really showed me something. That's what I thought he was going to do in the game, and that's why I was bullish on them. I actually lobbed in my bet on this round of the playoffs was. I did a two-team underdog money line parlay with Falcons Panthers, so I was gonna like make like you know eight x what I had bet, mm-hmm. and you know Falcons held it down. You know I'm watching the Saints Panthers game, like oh the Panthers really have a chance. Like that play where Cam hit the dude in the hands and he dropped it, and then they missed the 25 yard field goal was just oh, like no. shooting yourself in the nuts. But... Oh no, yeah, <laughs> that's brutal. But, yeah, you know. It, not to make things depressing, but like, you know, critical moments in the game. They're down like five. And, you know, Cam, it's not a dirty play either. It's just a football play. Cam spins out of a sack, spins right into a 300 pound guy who's sprinting after him <laughs> and is like literally can't, gets hit in the head so hard he can't walk back to the sideline. NFL just puts out a rule saying that if someone goes down when they make it to the sideline, which is like, the lowest of low bars for concussion protection, right? If you literally can't walk off the field, you have to go get checked. And they just, like, in the locker room, they just, like, take him inside the blue tent. I don't know what they do in there. It's probably just, like, give him some water and say, like, yeah, we're pretending to do a concussion test now. And they trot him back on the field. And, like, you know, I have money in the Panthers. I don't think Derek Anderson is winning me my bet. So I'm, you know, part of me is, like, Oh, maybe he's not concussed. Like, get back out there. But, you know, a big part of me is also like, I like Cam Newton, you know, in spite of misogynistic comments this year. And I'm like, I don't want right, him to yeah, be yeah. like, I don't want him to be a vegetable when he's 50. Like, I would love for him not to be concussed right now. And he should definitely not be playing. So I ended up just like praying he didn't take any more hits to the head and hoping that that was okay. That was, uh, that was as bad. Uh, that was like as big a like exposure into just how big a sham the NFL's concussion policy really is as I've ever seen. Uh, I was watching with Kurt, and we were convinced like he was dead. Like we were we were like watching the replay like like between our eyes, like it was between our fingers. I mean, it was uh, it was brutal. And as you said, it was a football play. Cam Jordan, it was c- completely fine. Yeah. But like as he like thought you know, he was like, going to chase him down. Yeah, it is just it just his. Just chest went right into Cam's head. He was absolutely concussed. I guess the explanation he said that he fell to the field was to give. Um, that's what you do to to stop the play clock, and you, it allows Derek Anderson to warm up. But um, that's bullshit. I mean, he, he was concussed poked in the eyes. Like I wasn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like right. Poked he got in the poked eye in the through eye. my visor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it's possible, but that's what happened. Yeah, he defied the law of physics, and you know, and his finger went through a visor. Um. I mean, that was, it was disgusting. And they should just like get rid of the policy and just be like, you know what? You know the risks of this game. I mean, you're seeing a guy get, you know, CTE in real time. Uh, That was, that was horrific. So I listened to an excerpt of a podcast Chris Borland did with like a couple people from the ringer. And that was that 49ers linebacker who had like one all pro season and retired immediately after. Oh, the white guy. Yeah. Yeah. He took over for um, Patrick Willis after Willis retired, I think. Yeah. It's just not good. And Chris ba- Boland. Yeah, is. it's like Borland or something. And he like Borland. He was basically saying, and it makes a ton of sense once he says it, like the team doctors 
are team employees, and the only reason you take that job is because you you know you really want to see your team win, and they feel like they're you know part of the franchise. So those are not like objective medical professionals. Those are guys who are like there to feed you Toradol and say you can play. And you know he tells one story about how like his arm was being worked on, so he literally couldn't take the pills, and the doctor like put the pills on his tongue for him. Yeah, it's just like the most upsetting thing. And, yeah. you know, you see that, and you're like, oh, it makes a ton of sense that the Panthers trying to be like, Cam, you're good, right? And Cam's like, huh. And they're like, great, go back out there. <laughs> you heard him. He said yes. <laughs> I said yes. Look at him. Blink once for yes. Yes, he's good. I think the first step is teams should not hire doctors. They should be, like, referees, like, appointed by the league. And, yeah. you know, because it's clear that they just can't be trusted at this point. Like, they're like, oh, no, we have someone in the booth who's looking at stuff that hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> yeah it's such a sham man it's yeah they're not they're in no way neutral neutral uh examiners here they are i think i listened to that same excerpt i just didn't know it was the guy chris Bowen. i was trying to figure out who it was the entire time um it was yeah they are and they're like i think he was saying like they're very like gung-ho like they're into football like they want to help yeah and the best thing you can do is to keep your former mvp quarterback on the field uh otherwise you're you know you might not be invited next week yeah no, really. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if the players' union has the wherewithal to bargain for that. And even if they did, the NFL owners just really, you know, give not even a single inch in any labor negotiation. So it's tough for – it's really tough for the unions to get anything done. Um, so it's like, you know, we say these things like, oh, NFL contracts should be guaranteed. Oh, the doctors shouldn't be team employees, all this stuff. And it's like, well, they, you know, the owners will say that's not collectively bargained or that, you know, we collectively bargained that this way. And then you look at the collective bargaining agreement and it's basically signed under duress because if the union doesn't sign something, someone with a three-year career loses a third of their earnings. Yeah. So it's... it's yeah. Owners bad. are still getting paid. Owners are still getting paid, uh, you know, from <laughs> from being rich. Uh, not so much the players. Yeah. Uh, so that's, anyway, that's my Saints-Panthers take. It was a great game, though. It was a great game. Um, you ready to uh, to hit the, the games for this week? Let's get into it. All right. So Gump and I talked a bit before this podcast about how we wanted to frame our NFL podcast. We decided it would be good to start going on record with our picks against the spread. And as a bonus, we'll also lob in kind of a, a fun parlay teaser prop type bet that we think has a good chance of hitting. Um, so let's do first game. We'll go Eagles Falcons. I have the line at Eagles plus three at home. Gump, who do you have in this game? Oh man, this is so, this is such a weird game. It's the first time a six seed has been favored over the one seed in NFL history for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Two words, Nick Foles. Um, I, th- I mean, I, I went with the Falcons. I don't, f- I'm going to definitely stay off of this game because I mean, besides Nick Foles, the Eagles are still the Eagles. They got, um, I mean, their, their, uh, defense is still awesome. They can still run the ball. Um, and yeah, you never know. And Matt Ryan is too inconsistent for me, but like I, you know, after last week where, like going, you know, I made like sort of a rule, like if you can go, like go against the, you know, the unproven quarterback and the unproven coach, which yeah. Bulls and, and, uh, 
what's and Peterson definitely are like I you got to go I think with the Falcons here. Yeah. Um, I I don't think I mean the 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 Eagles have looked terrible the last three weeks. Um, yeah. And so while whereas the Falcons have been basically playing a playoff game for the last you know month or two, um, and they're you know they're you know I'm I'm they're they're doing well. The Eagles are you know limping in. Um, so I'm going with the hot hand here. I respect that pick. I agree with you. This was the toughest game for me to pick. Um, I'm ending up going Eagles plus three. Um, so basically this is a play on, I think the Falcons had really thrived being an underdog emotionally. Now they're favored. Um, so that's kind of working against them. I think, um, I think playing outdoors is going to work against them. It should still be like 35-ish because we're having a bit of a heat wave in the Northeast um, for January. But, you know, that's no dome. Um, And, you know, I think the Eagles' defense is really good. I think they can keep this game close. Um, They're going to hit Matt Ryan. And I think if you hit Matt Ryan, you know, like if you hit any quarterback, it gets – they turn into a different player. Um, But really – my bet is hinging on the fact that I don't think Foles is that bad. He's been terrible this year, but I feel like it was only like three years ago that he went to the Pro Bowl, and he's not that old. <laughs> that weird Chip Kelly year, yeah. <laughs> he's not that old, and like, I don't know, I think, I think for the backup quarterbacks, the reason all of them suck when they get thrown into a game is because, except for Matt Moore, is because you don't practice like (laughs) the starters want to take every rep you get to roll out there with the b squad for 10 snaps and throw like your 10 most basic routes and you get inserted into the middle of an intense game like how are you going to handle that i think you know for Foles, yeah he looked bad all three weeks he started but with the bye he gets two weeks to be the starter um two weeks to sit on this game plan and i think that's going to be crucial in getting him up to speed um, so I'm basically saying, you know, the Falcons, as good as they played the last couple of weeks, I think this could be a game that they get caught a little bit by. I think if the Eagles can get up a little bit, that crowd might really go bonkers because they, yeah. Philly fans are fucking insane. So they're the worst. They're the worst and the best fans. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> so like, you know, Foles gets a seven, three lead, you know, that place is going to be rocking. Matt Ryan gets hit hard. It's 35 out. You know, I don't know. That's uh, I don't like this game though. I don't like this line. Yeah. This is too much of a talk. It's way too much uncertainty here. Um, you can see, you know, the Falcons get up early conversely and they can also run the ball. And I've, you know, the Eagles have been like really bad against the run, uh, last couple of weeks against teams who like, you know, Raiders giants who don't, who aren't good at running the ball. Um, so that's concerning. But they will get after Matt Ryan. I think Fletcher Cox is going to have a big game. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's just like you can go either way on this game. But uh, you know, my my advice is to stay away. Yeah, and yeah, I mean that's just really the way to handle this. Um, so let's jump to Pats Titans. I have the Pats minus thirteen and a half. Um, I saw thirteen. You saw thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, even better for me. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, the Titans came back against the Chiefs. You know, I I do like Mariota a little bit. I don't think this is like that, you know, one of those invincible Pats teams where it's going to take an insane performance 
um, from a front four and some really clutch play to beat them or come close. You know, I think this Pats team is is flawed defensively. I don't think they have any pass rush um, unless James Harrison continues to just imbibe from the fountain of youth. And, <laughs> you know, their offense, like, they haven't really tried to use Gronk yet this year. I think mostly as a preservation technique, but when they need him, he's there. Like, he's someone yeah. who could have 190 yards receiving this game. I don't love how they use Brandon Cooks. I don't really think Brady likes throwing to the end lines. And then over the middle, they mostly run Amendola um, and Chris Hogan, you know, who I'm not super inspired by. So, like, this isn't the best Pats offense I've ever seen. The defense is not that great. But at the same time, you know, that Pats story this week. Oh, yeah. I was wondering when we were going to get to that. Yeah. What I mean, the that's hell? the impetus. What is going on? What's going on up in Boston? What's the talk been like up there? So the talk, like classic Boston, basically everyone's like, can you fucking believe this story? Uh, everyone's <laughs> a victim up there. There's always, everyone's against the Patriots. They're yeah. out to get us. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's upset because we won five Super Bowls. They're just jealous. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Pats. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk in you know on gambling Twitter about like, is this gonna make the Pats more um, more fired up? Um, I don't know about that. I think it may. I think if anything, it's going to play into perception more and maybe get that line up to fourteen. I think people are thinking they're gonna be more fired up, but um, I could also see Brady just coming out like his hair's on fire and just lighting up the uh, lighting up the Titans. The Titans are the 26th ranked pass defense. Yeah, and think about who they're playing against in that division. Not exactly a you know a a top trio of quarterbacks uh, between those three teams. They play six times each. Um, yeah, Yates, Brissett, and uh, Bortles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and I think uh, I think they can't stop any tight end, uh, as we were saying before. I mean, see Kelsey with you know who's having a great game before he gets injured in the um, you know in the second quarter. I think Gronk is going to go off. Um, I think Deion Lewis has been fantastic uh, last two months. He's been, and I think he's going to be Brady's best friend. Um, so I don't know if you picked the New England. Are you going with New England? I'm here? taking Pats minus anything up to seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm taking Pats here as well. Um what was I gonna say? Uh yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um I think that the Pats have done like a really smart job of not running their skill position guys in the ground. I mean Gronk, you know, like I think Gronk and Deion Lewis are their two best offensive pieces. I think Amendola is gonna try and give, you know, ninety percent of what Julian Edelman was, maybe eighty five. And as a bonus, you have Brandon Cook's speed, which requires more than one person a lot of the time. Um, and I think if, you know, they're totally fine giving the ball to Lewis 25 times, and if they're fine throwing at Gronk 15 times, you know, this becomes the best offense in football. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you know, going back to the Titans, they uh, they can run the ball. Derrick Henry is good. I think he averaged like seven yards a carry against the Chiefs, and the Pats aren't terrific at stopping the run, but you got to be – you got to be up. You got to be ahead. You got to be in the game to run the ball. Uh, you know, as much as you want to with Henry, who's sort of just like a bell cow kind of guy and gets better as the game goes along. I don't think they're going to get that shot. Um, and I also think Mariota, we were talking about, is great. You know, between the hash marks and you know throwing to the middle off a of play action. Uh, no one is better at taking away 
um, you know, the, you know, the, the quarterbacks, you know, scale like his bread and butter, like Belichick has been, yeah. I think he's going to completely stack the middle of the field and just dare Mariota to throw in those corners. Um, yeah. Pa- Patriots make mistakes. They're not, they're not, you know, one of those, you know, invincible Patriots teams of old, but they, I don't think they have to be here. I think you need either obscene talent or really good coaching to, to beat the Pats. And I think the Titans have neither. Like, I think yeah. they'll be both out-schemed and out-talented in this game, so I don't see a way they can keep it close. And the story, like, you know, not crazy important, but that's the kind of thing where, you know, the team's up 13 with five minutes left. Yeah, Maybe they yeah. stay in. You know what I mean? That's, fair. that's a great point. That's Maybe a great point. There's in. a whole lot of fuck you going on, uh, <laughs> you know, on that sideline. I mean, that's just like kind of the Boston motto, basically. Like, I, there's a whole lot of fuck you everywhere here, but. Always. <laughs> yeah. But maybe yeah, a little so... bit more in this game. Right. Sharps are on Titans, interestingly. Uh, I think they, I think the line, whenever the line goes up to 14, they always bet it back down. Yeah. Um, so, and I, you know, you don't love to go against, you know, the people who actually are good at betting, but. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be on this game. I might tease the pats down. I don't want to give away what, you know. Our, our funky bets later on, but um, yeah, thir- I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play a thirteen. That's just a big line. Yeah, but uh, I think they're going to win comfortably, to say the least. I agree with you. Huge lines are fluky. Like the Pats could be eight hundred times better than the Titans, be winning thirty one ten, and or be winning thirty one thirteen, and you know Mariota because the Pats are in prevent dinks and dunks down the field for seven minutes and they score a touchdown with thirty seconds to go, and it's like. Hey, the Pats won by eleven, so the Titans covered, but yeah, like, the Titans were not close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. Like anytime a line is this high, like you just you run into something that doesn't matter to either of the teams swinging your bet, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. Yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, yeah, just to keep on going back and forth and play devil's advocate against ourselves here, like the Pats do cover at home. I can't remember the exact record, but like in these double digit spreads, which they you know they get week after week. You could just make money just betting on you know the Pats week after week. Um, it's been a profitable strategy for for years now, especially in the playoffs. Um, I you know I'm, I don't think I'm going to play that, but uh, you know I see I I see that strategy for sure. I would not play Pats minus thirteen and a half either. No. Um. So next game, let's do Steelers Jags. Steelers are giving up seven points. Who do you have in this game? Hmm. <sighs> Got, I got Pittsburgh here. Mm, me too. How about you? Yeah, I'm not. You can't pay me to bet on Bortles after what I saw. Blake last Bortles. Week. Blake Bortles, man. <laughs> <laughs> can't pay me. Uh. Um. Yeah. Uh. I mean, man, basically, I, like, I. So my whole thing with the Steelers all year, they have the most talent you could argue in the NFL. Uh, specifically on offense, I think that's, I would argue, they're the most talented team in the NFL. I would agree with that, yes. Um, my worry with them is that they're just kind of bummish. Like, they won a lot of games this year by, like, one or two points over teams they should have smacked because they, like, kind of fucked around and gave up a ton of stupid points and just gave away a ton of advantages and then just kind of held it together and made big plays and got it done. And... You know, that would worry me a lot, picking the Steelers by seven in this game. But, you know, obviously Blake Bortles is there. But also the fact, I think it's useful that 
to betting on the Steelers. So the Steelers got walloped by the Jags earlier this year. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, all those players played in that game. All those players remember losing by 30 to them. You know, I I don't think they're worried about the Jags by any means, but I also don't think they're going to come out and cakewalk the first quarter. Yeah. No, I mean, that's real. I mean, it's I, I remember the situation. I think it was in London, which everyone hates to play in. That's sort of like a Jaguars home game, sadly. It's <laughs> uh, become that. It's the annual Jaguars. You know, they get the best fans. <laughs> they actually get people to show up for their games. Um, and the uh, Steelers at the Ravens the next week. So there was a lot of – I remember there was a lot of talk that week of they're looking ahead. This is this is a schedule loss, and which turned out to be, you know, you know even a bigger blowout than people anticipated. Um, yeah, and you know the Jacksonville defense is for real, but their run defense has been, um, you know, not on par with their pass defense all year. And you know, Steelers got Le'Veon Bell. This is like this could snowball if the uh, if the Steelers get up early. I think you know if they if they get up get a little bit of a lead going and then just hand off to Le'Veon Bell, you know, give him thirty touches. This could be you know this could get ugly. Meanwhile, you know, maybe, you know, maybe things happen. Maybe Jalen Ramsey returns to score for a touchdown and then it's a dogfight. Then seven's a big number. But um, I I cannot back Blake Boros at the last week. I just feel like if at any point in the game the Steelers are up (laughs) and it's like too late for the Jaguars to feel good just running the ball the entire drive. And with a banged up four net, it may not be able to do that anyway. But, you know, if the Jaguars need to throw. You're putting Blake Bortles in the divisional round of the playoffs against a really competent defense completely in the spotlight. Like like any Blake Bortles two-minute drill, anything where like, oh, you know, there's four minutes left and they're down three, like he needs to go get a field goal. I feel great. And, you know, if the Steelers have the ball and they're up, there's no one better to salt a game away than Le'Veon Bell. Um, and I feel like you don't even have to run it to him. Like the Steelers will run pass plays – and Le'Veon will just lurk near the line of scrimmage, and Rosberger can dump it off to him even if he's blanketed. He'll shake that guy and get five yards, and that's a good running play. Like, yeah, like his value is not just on; it's so high on passing downs, even. Um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. He just finds yards. He just the dude just gets like he gets five when everyone else would get two. Um, yeah. And he's great. You know, he's a great receiver out of the backfield. I mean, the Jaguars secondary is fantastic. Um, and, uh, we'll see how, you know, Antonio Brown, who I hear is, looks good. Um, you know, he'll, how he'll handle that with Smith Schuster as well. Um, Martavis. but yeah. Oh God damn. They're so stacked. <laughs> they're so God, these guys are so stacked and Eli Rogers will have like a good game every now and then it's nuts. Um, yeah. but I don't, I don't trust the middle linebackers as much. Um, and I think Le'Veon Bell can feast on that. I think if, if Roethlisberger plays smart, picks his spots, um, you know, I really like their chances. Um, this is a game that I would don't want to look ahead too much again, but maybe think about teasing down to a more manageable number. I think we're gonna um, have the exact the, same bet, which is sad. I feel like we might. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> they get the same thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I would love if uh, if Shazier was still around to you know oh to God, sort yeah. of spy on Bortles. They've been bad against the run since he's been out. They've really regressed. But then you know, like we said, Fournette is didn't look good last week. Um, I don't know if the Jaguars are going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, unless Fournette's, like, really feeling himself, I'm not worried about the Jags' run game. Like, this is just one of those games, like, I just, I have so little faith in the Jaguars. I could really see this being, like, a 30-point blowout. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just happy on the Shazier front. He said he has feeling in his legs now. I don't know if he's walking yet, but I think that means he'll hopefully get it to a point where he can walk it eventually. I think so. I I, I haven't been following it, but man, I I really hope so. That's been you know awful to that was uh, that was such a brutal game. That was that sucked. Um, you know, and at the peak of it, he was having such a good season too. Uh, I think yeah. we said he was the most athletic linebacker in the NFL, certainly the fastest. Um, yeah, it was him or but, Dan Jones are the best. In my yeah, the quickest. That doesn't matter. That who cares? I mean, the point is the dude is, uh, you know, that that blows, and yeah. you know, hopefully he can get it together. Yeah. God damn, it's depressing. Um. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I think we're both on Steelers minus seven. Um. Last game, which I think will be the best game of the weekend. You have the Saints plus four and a half in Minnesota against the Vikings. I had the Saints plus four and a half in this game. Where did you shake out on it? This is I've, I've gone back and forth on this game a hundred times. Um, I had the Saints two initially, and right before uh, right before the podcast, I, I went back to Minnesota here. Nice. Um, what's your reasoning? Sell me so, on sell me on the Saints. I read at lunch today, I read this really long Case Keenum feature on ESPN. It's like, you didn't think, like, Case Keenum could do this? Like, join the crowd. He's been overcoming this stuff his whole life. And it was about how, like, he won a state championship in high school and then, you know, didn't get recruited to college, got one letter, you know, from Houston, took them to their best seasons ever, didn't get drafted, got signed to some practice squads, bounced around, had some good games and losses because his team sucked. And then, you know, this was kind of finally his chance to, like, actually win games, and he's been amazing. Um, And I buy all that. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to stick to my laurels. I thought he was bad beginning of this year. I now think he's good. Um, You know, totally competent starting quarterback. I just, I think... With the Saints, I think the Panthers put up a really good fight, and Cam was really good in that game. I think the Saints are a powerhouse. And those NFC South teams, you know, the Saints go 11-5. and five. They spend a bunch of weeks, you know, beating, you know, getting beaten up by the NFC South and beating up on each other. Um, you know, and the Vikings kind of had a much cushier schedule. I think they caught the Packers at least once without Rodgers. They got the Bears twice. Yeah, I think they were they were definitely the team that injured Rodgers. I'm not sure if they had already played him. No, they didn't. No, they yeah. So they basically got one and a half games without Rodgers. I I'm worried, and you were talking about this earlier. I think it's really true in the NFL playoffs, and in like really any playoff situation. I'm always worried about teams that this is the absolute farthest they've ever gone. Um, like at least with that collection of guys, and for this Minnesota team, round two is the absolute farthest. I mean, that defense is for real, but, you know, if you kind of assume, like I assume, that the Saints are going to at least put up 24, then plus four and a half, the Vikings would have to drop 30, basically. Yeah. And I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, god damn. I I completely buy the case, I might, and I might switch back. Um, And in a toss-up game, grab the points, you know what I mean? Grab the points. You grab the points, and you grab... When you have Breeze getting points... Against Case Keenum in a dome, you, in a dome, um, it's really hard to say no. I mean, you got a guy with ten. Here's a trivia th- for you: um, last time a quarterback with 
10 plus playoff starts against a quarterback making his first start. When was the last time the quarter, the rookie quarterback won? The quarterback making his first start in the playoffs? First start against a quarterback with 10 plus starts. Wow. Um, you know the guy. Maybe Cam Newton's first playoff start? Uh, no, it was Tim Tebow. <laughs> against Roethlisberger. Remember, I love remember that it. 100 years ago? <laughs> I was so in on that. I, I pulled so hard for that 8-8 eight and eight team. I was loving that. I was whooping and hollering on my couch. I remember that game so well. That was great. Um, yeah, so I know I, I completely buy that. The Saints are – they've looked shaky recently. Um, I mean, they, they you beat top-form Cam Newton last week, but I think that pair, that Panthers team had a ton of holes before that. And how do you give up um, an 80-yard touchdown to McCaffrey in four minutes to go? I mean, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, their defense has regressed – um, you know, the last couple weeks, um, uh, Kamara and Ingram haven't looked, Kamara hasn't looked completely Kamara like the last couple weeks. Um, I don't think they're playing at their best, but Breeze is fantastic. He plays great in the playoffs. Um, one thing I think I w- ultimately I'm going with, uh, the Vikings because that the house is going to be rocking, man. Um, I mean, that's it's Vegas gives usually a three. Um, you know, to to home field teams, mm-hmm. you know, like they'll you know they'll, they'll shave off three points. Um, I think it's going to be closer to four point you know advantage. It's going to be nuts up there. Um, and Case Keenum so. is yeah. I mean, and also like forget the quarterbacks for a second. Like the Vikings, I think have the best team. Um, you know, maybe of just you know they have the best defense. I would say for sure. Um, so can they get to what was it? What did you say? Four and a half? Because I've seen a lot of fives now. Uh, yeah, I looked it up right before we got on the pod, and I had four and a half. Four and a half. I mean, it's a, it's a dead number. Five's a dead number. But, um, yeah, I'm going to switch back to the Saints. Give me the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, – I could, I could see this being a, you know, a down-to-the-last-drive, you know, Breeze looking to win it, you know, down three. Um, yeah. Let's go with that. I'm changing yeah. my pick. You've convinced me. You've sold me. <laughs> well, either you're welcome or I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sharps, for what it's worth, Sharps have been uh, pummeling – minnesota this line opened at three and a half um you know this could go apparently it can rise above five so i hate to go against the wise guys again but uh um they know what they're they know what they're doing but um i yeah i mean breeze breeze getting points dude's a hall of famer you know top five quarterback of all time um i'll I'll take that yeah i mean i think i think what the sharps love to pick on is when public perception might skew something and something like case keenum you know, where we have three years of experience of everyone thinking he's a joke. And then, you know, his team going, whatever it was, 11-2 and two with him. You know, there's still some people who are like, yeah, but he's Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah, And I think right. that, you know, for that reason alone, you know, if Matt Ryan had put up his numbers, this line would not be four and a half. Yeah, and Matt Ryan would have loved to pick, put up his numbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, he was and a top he 10 quarterback, hands down this year. Uh, um, he was great. And, you know, the case Keenum, like I was, I was listening to a podcast right before this. It's like, think about, uh, he had, who did he have? He had Bill O'Brien, you know, as a coordinator in Houston who absolutely needs a quarterback. If he doesn't have a quarterback next year, if Deshaun Watson doesn't shake out or gets injured again, like dude is gone. Dude does not maximize his quarterback play before he had some bad coordinator before that. He's, he's been, he's been in tough situations and now he's got Mike uh, Zimmer. He was on the Hard Knocks Jeff Fisher team. Jeff Fisher, right. With right. fucking Chris Winkie as the quarterback coach. 
Ugh. who was like the biggest flame out quarterback in the NFL. It's like, Just why the- would you hire him? Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> what did you see in his playing career? Like, I mean, I guess that guy, unless he was a complete wizard with a clipboard, which I highly doubt. Um, Chris Winkie. Then uh, I don't know what they were thinking. Jeff Fisher is, you know, has done the, he's done the, the least with most for the last 10 years, um, you know, since that Super yeah. Bowl loss he had. Uh, I love so, coming in and just really taking yeah. that team to new heights and golf looking awesome because it's just, I mean, Fisher should never be hired again. He's done. He's done. Um, no, no Gruden contract for him. Oh my God. That contract. Did we talk about that last week? No, I don't know if we did, but we should talk about that a little bit. I mean, in terms of just like what that's going to do the coaching (laughs) market now. I mean, that is, are they out of their goddamn mind? That was among the worst. Like that's, I think if you were, if a sports book were to give odds on the likelihood he serves all 10 years of that contract, I'd put it at like 50 to one. There's just no chance. No way. No way. Yeah, and it was just like, and Mark Davis said, like, you know, ever since Al fired him, like, I've been looking to get him back. Like, this is my, like, the greatest day of my life as an owner. And you're just, that's that's fucking so ridiculous. Dumb. You know, aside from, like, just the money, it's just, like, you're you're doing it, you're letting emotions come into this. And the Patriots have showed you, like, you know, the playbook has been, like, you don't let, this is a man's game, you don't let emotions get to you. Um, and that's what he's doing. And, you know, maybe Gruden is a good coach. But um, and I get that you know they don't count against your salary cap. You know what's a hundred million dollars to a you know a multi billionaire? Um, but it's I, I don't I, I don't see that you know I don't see that as a good hire at all. Much less for that price. Yeah, I mean, I think basically Gruden worked him over in a negotiation. Was like, look here, I'm getting seven million a year from ESPN. I'm gonna <laughs> need a much better deal than that. <laughs> gotta tell you, man. Gotta tell you, man. Uh, you know I like it here at ESPN pretty good. I got a good gig here. Uh, how about 10 mil? I really like 10 mil. 10 mil is a great price. We do Love that football. Over six, Love seven, mil. eight years. Yeah, that's that's my contract. <laughs> 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 I mean, like, good God. Like, he – so he won the Super Bowl in, like, 03 with the Buccaneers, and they, like, traded to get him, and they won that first year. So, you know, obviously he added something to the team, but it's not like this is this team, like, he coached up and grew and whatever. Right, and right. then basically flamed out from there on, and he's been giving you know uninspiring broadcasting performances since. Like, why do I like? Why do you think he appreciates today's game and is going to be really good for your team? You know what I mean? Like all of his schematic stuff, you have no idea on. Mm-hmm. It feels like Mark Davis wanted to make a big splashy move before going to Las Vegas. And he may well make the money back because of, you know, Gruden will get covered all the time on ESPN and shit like that. But I just think he's not going to be good, and he's not going to be good for Carr. And you look at that roster of players, and I just think the personality of Gruden and, like, the kind of Marshawn Lynch, uh, Michael Crabtree, like, I think these are going to be horrible marriages of player and coach. I wonder. I, I mean, wasn't he a was he a player's coach? I think he was. I think he's a dick. <laughs> I think like, everyone who like played for him is like, yeah, he really is demanding. <laughs> he's really uh, tough. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a it's a coveted gig. Uh, I mean, they got they got great skill players. They're a year removed from you know being a Derek Carr injury away from you know you know advancing pretty deep into the playoffs. Um, and then you know going back to the the old Gruden like. 
I was, I think I was, maybe we were making this point last week that like he inherited like a loaded Bucks team, but like look the team he left, the Raiders. Like he, I mean, he coached that team. He got that team very close. Um, he ended up beating him in the Super Bowl. Like he didn't. It's not like he came from you know came from nowhere. He did yeah. well. No, he but, was a good coach in two thousand three or when yeah, that happened. That is not. That's not a. That that's not worth a hundred million. <laughs> Success in two thousand three is not worth a hundred mil. Um, Why not lob yeah. that offer at Belichick? Like fuck it. Yeah, I mean now every single coach is looking at that, being like, "Hey, agent, like let's talk to this owner again." Like cause the market has been reset now. Um, I mean there, there are going to be some coaches who are in for a raise. Bill Belichick, I think he makes twelve million now. Like oh, he does. I was, I was wondering about this. Like, how much do you think Bill Belichick is worth a year? Truly. Um. So you're worth, I think, what you can get on the open market, and I think he would get something up near 15 20 i mean if you're jerry jones you wouldn't throw 20 million a year at bill belichick like you absolutely would yeah i think he's worth 20 i think if if the giants could get him for 20 like take that deal 10 times out of 10 i mean (laughs) i don't think he'll leave new england um i i think you know i mean Basically, with that Pat story, we didn't really talk about how true we thought it was. I think Brady, and you've seen it a bit this year. Like, I end up watching a ton of the games because they're always on because local TV, whatever, whatever. Um, You know, Brady, even compared to two, three years ago, has missed more throws this year. And, you know, you can make different excuses, but at the end of the day, he's 40, and he's not at his apex physically. And, like, he's still – I'd still have him over any quarterback in the league. Like, he's still nasty. But he's slightly worse, and I think Brady knows that. And I think, you know, Brady can talk all he wants about playing till 45. But I think deep down a part of him knows that he's lost a quarter of a step, half a step. Yeah. And I think that eats at him. And I totally, totally, totally see Brady, even if he never asked for anything, being really threatened – you know, and upset about the fact that Garoppolo looks like a top 10 quarterback in the league yeah, and is boys the rest of the team. I end up having an Uber driver once who's like said he went out on the town with Garoppolo and, and a couple other guys on the team. And like the whole time, of course, he peppered Garoppolo about Brady and Jimmy G was like, yeah, you know, he's a dick. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a really good quarterback. He's like really demanding. He, you know, he yeah. holds everyone to an incredibly high standard. So, you know, I, I just think someone like that Brady's so acutely aware of everything, he's obviously going to notice deep down a little bit when he starts getting a little worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I, why I, they moved I, Garoppolo. I think Brady it made Brady uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I think there's, I think there's some real truth to that story. And I, you know, I'm sure. Have you been hearing like everyone bitch about like how it's all anonymous sources? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, who's going to go on record? Who the hell would go on record at like in the Pats? Like you are you are gone. You are murdered. Your throat is slit. Like you're at the bottom of the Charles. If you <laughs> if you put your name on, you're crazy. You're, you're a, watching suicide. Up, if you're you do washing that. up I on mean, L Street Beach. <laughs> yeah, anonymous uh, does not mean false. Um, I think there was real truth there, and I get you know what I get, I get it. I get Brady's uh, you know rationale 100 percent if it's true. Um, aside from the fact that how are you going to pay? You would have had to pay Jimmy G a lot of money. Um, yeah, they would have – I mean, basically, they would have had to if they wanted to go for it, Jimmy G. You could maybe do one more year, but you need to tell Brady, hey, we're keeping Garoppolo. 
Yeah. And, and that is, yeah. You can say, uh, you know, you can retire. You can do whatever you want. We love you, but we're going with Garoppolo. And whether it's because the craft said no, whether it's because Belichick grew a heart, which I don't think happened. Yeah, impossible. You know, Brady's like, no, I'm going to play five more years. I'm fine. And they're like, well, we can't pay Garoppolo for five years. And yeah. We can't cut but Tom Brady. We can't not resign Tom Brady if he wants to play for us. And that's what happened. Yeah, they were put in a, they were put in a hard place. And I think he would have had to, you know, like what would have, what would have like Garoppolo have gotten on the open market? Like 20 million? Probably, yeah. no, someone, probably, probably easily. Now dude, he's gonna get more. Osweiler got sixteen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, Garoppolo. I, it w- they would have been hard to keep Garoppolo anyway, even in you know in the best of times. And I, I think uh, you know their their hand was a little bit forced. One um, part of the story I definitely buy is that Belichick intentionally sent uh, Brady to Kyle Shanahan. Or sorry, I sent Garoppolo to Kyle Shanahan as like a like a a favor to Garoppolo. I think it's both. I think he there was a bunch of stuff in the story about how like Belichick and Kyle Shanahan you know have a good working relationship, and Belichick actually sat down with Kyle Shanahan and went over stuff from the championship game. I mean, Belichick, I think when they decided to move him, they're like, all right, definitely out of our conference. So that you know took of maybe twelve suitors, it knocked out six. And from there, I think he was like, all right, let's 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 get this guy to Kyle Shanahan. It's good for Garoppolo. You know, that's one of the best offensive minds in the business. It's good for my buddy. They won't be good until Brady's, you know, bad. So, yeah, I think they intentionally steered him there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I like that part of the story. Um, I'd, it was... I mean, but, like, Belichick wanted to keep him, though, right? Like, Belichick gets his way, he keeps Jimmy G, and his future is guaranteed, and, you know, Belichick can coach for another 10 years and win yeah. five. So deep down, I think if Belichick got his way, Brady's either told retire or you won't be re-signed. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Belichick way. After, after this, I mean, he's done it to everyone they care about. You Moss, know. Seymour, yeah. No, nothing is sacred, even Tom Brady. Vince Wilfork, who, like, used to, like, cry and give – Robert Kraft kisses on the cheek, mm. multiple, one for him, one for his deceased wife. Like, uh, that's how family he was cut. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, yeah. Belichick doesn't care. And it's, uh, that's why he's the best. He's the best of all time. Yeah. Um, it was a crazy story. Yeah, we'll see how it plays yeah, out. It was a great read. Yeah, but the, the feeling in Massachusetts is, fuck you, fuck them. Fuck you. They don't know us. <laughs> Everything's great. We're going to win again this year. Uh. <laughs> That's why I'm so glad. I mean, I hate New York City, but uh, I'd rather be here than there. That's, I can't take that Uber driver conversation. Yeah, he's like, I went out with Jimmy G one night. Oh, yeah. Good guy. That Good guy. guy. God, the ass Jimmy. Is Jimmy G married? No. He's definitely wow. not married. That guy, man. That guy must do all right. Does he have a wife? He, he might have a wife. Fine. I want him to start, like, acting like a big-time San Francisco athlete and start, like, just going courtside to Warriors games. Uh-huh. And get, like, that yeah. from Draymond. Like, I want him to, like, act like a superstar, even though he won five games for a crappy team. Because uh, I think he's going to be that good in, like, a year. Or thought of as that good in, like, a year. I, I'm, uh, I'm all on the, I'm on the Jimmy G train. Uh, I think he's going to be good. I think he learned from the best. He learned from literally the best. Like, came from the best situation into another great situation. Um, and I think I knew... And, and if you have, like, the, the, the seal of approval from Bill Belichick, like, that means... That goes a long way in my book. Um, so I think he's going to be great. All right, I think the uh, I think the time has come. Do you want to do your 
teaser parlay thing, or do you want me to? All right, I'll 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 go do mine first. I have three, and I haven't decided which one I'm. I have decided which one I've I've already gone in on. This is the the least crazy one. Is it's not sexy, but I, I like it a lot. Um, take the first half under for Atlanta Philly twenty mm. and a half. You can grab twenty and a half. Um, I think I don't think the Philly. I don't think I think um, Philly's going to try to slow it down. I think you know by by force, if not by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think they have much firepower. They're certainly going to be trying to figure it out. It's outside. I think twenty and a half. It's you know I feel good with that number. Um, mm, I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the, the book I use um, hasn't put out Gronk props yet, but a Gronk touchdown, you know, with a with a Pats win, that can get you probably around like one one thirty minus one thirty seven around there. Um, grab that. Gronk is going to go off. This is, he's been waiting for this all year, as you've said. I think they've sort of holstered him, you know, just trying to get him healthy. Yeah. Um, they, now he's healthy. He's fired up. Um, and he's going against a team that cannot cover a tight end to save their lives. Um, I think that's gonna. I think he's gonna go off. So you look at those Gronk props. And in terms of a teaser, I like a Steelers Pats. I'm not sure what the number is, but basically get the Steelers to minus two and a half and get the Pats to six. Um, I think I'm very confident in those numbers. I think it might be a seven point or a six point depending on uh, where yeah, you look. If you do two teams six, you get like. It's basically like minus one ten. So you bet like you know hundred bucks, you get nine. But yeah, get the Pats to to minus six and a half or better. Um, six, I think you you've you've got it locked. Yeah, I respect all those. I I really like usually over under bets. I feel like are a crapshoot. I like your logic behind the first half under and Falcons Eagles. I think the Eagles are definitely going to try and do like the take it slow approach with Nick Foles. Like, there's no way they're going to air it out and drop fourteen, seventeen and a half. Um, and the Falcons, you know, cold weather, tough defense. It's tough to also see them dropping 14, 17 and a half. Um, and I just feel like you watch NFL games in that first quarter, even when you think it's gonna be a high scoring game, it ends up being like, you know, three, three or something like pretty pedestrian. Yeah. I would, I would love to know, um, you know, the, the success rate of, you know, first quarter unders. Um, cause it, you're, as you're right, it always feels like at most it's like seven, three. Um, Plus, but like, most totals, but most totals, meanwhile, are you know mid forties to like fifty. So like, you're probably hitting on those like a decent amount of time. I feel like overs always get more action than unders generally because it's more yep. fun to cheer for points. So you're always uh-huh. getting a tiny bit of value on the under. Is my general. I agree. Thesis. Public loves those overs. Absolutely. Um, although devil's advocate, a lot of people are like outdoors eagles, and they might be taking the under, and it's going to be like forty. <laughs> so it's not going to be yeah. that cold. Um, but no, I like that bet. Um, my, I only have one bet. I've already bet it, so that's good. I have a four-team six-point teaser. Wow. So hit, hit me. Basically, it's all the bets I talked about, but I'm getting six points on each. Um, so it would be Eagles plus nine, Pats minus seven and a half, Pittsburgh minus one, and Saints plus ten and a half. Um and because I threw in four teams instead of two, by betting ten bucks, I'd get paid back twenty-five. Um, so you mm. get a nice rate of return here. Plus I mean, two fifty. So I feel like with the Eagles and Falcons, that that plus nine is probably the thing I'm most worried about. Um, I mean, if Foles is abominable, which is totally in play, and the Falcons get up big and it's just a catastrophe, 
you know, maybe I drop that. But I feel like between the really good defense and the crowd and, you know, I do think the Falcons, it'll be really tough for them to come out hot in this game. I think it stays within 10. Um, Pats minus 7.5 I like for everything we talked about. Pittsburgh minus 1 um, I really like for everything we talked about. Even if they're bummish, like I see them winning that game. And then Saints plus 10.5, if they can't put up like 17 points in this game, or if Case Keenum drops 40, like whatever. But I, I see that game being close. Um, so yeah. I, I feel good about this. And, you know, if I think there's a 50% chance I hit it, this is a great bet because of what I get paid back. And I think there's a 50% chance I hit it. I like I like that a lot. I hadn't thought of that. Um, I think AFC, I really like you there. Um, as you say, that the Atlanta game, I want no part of. Um, but, you know, plus nine at home. Uh, you know, and it's going to be, you know, it's gonna, it could be kind of a, a more of a defensive slog than you would expect with, uh, you know, with the Falcons on the field. Um, I like that. And then you get Breeze, like, covering, you know, ten and a half points. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. Yeah. No, I'm in on it. I mean, I think my biggest worries are the Titans backdoor covering and losing by seven and the Eagles getting blown out because Foles is horrific. Mm-hmm. But such are the risks. Yep. Um, such are the risks. I uh, Real quick, I pulled the eight remaining teams' Super Bowl odds as they stand. Um, Pats plus 190, so it's like basically what it was before. Vikings plus 350, it got a little better. Um, Steelers plus 450, it's the same. Saints plus 600 got way better. Falcons plus 650 got way better. Eagles plus 1,500. Um... That one seems a little high, and maybe some value there. And then you have Jags plus eighteen hundred and and uh, Titans plus six thousand because no one sees <laughs> them beating the Patriots. Uh huh. Um, any of those jump out at you as useful, interesting? Which were the ones that you liked? Maybe I'll. I, 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 I didn't get all of those down, but um, um, which are the ones that you liked? I mean, I don't really like any of them. <laughs> I think Pat's plus one ninety is interesting. Um, right. But you should have jumped on it last week when it was 200. Uh, I mean, I just feel like, like, basically, I think all the odds got worse, um, which I guess makes sense because there's more certainty now, but, you know. Um, yeah. No, don't stay away from these. Um, Maybe Saints you know, plus I've, 600. I've heard. Maybe Eagles yeah. plus 1500 if you really like them. I don't know. But. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you just if you do the math, these are Super Bowl odds. These are Super Bowl winning odds, yeah, right? Yeah, to win the Super Bowl, so like, right? Yeah, yeah. just like th- just think about. I mean, especially Philly, for example. Think about what that money line is going to be each game. Um, do the math. That's probably going to come out ahead of whatever the number was. Um, you know, as are most of these. Like Vegas loves these futures bets. Um, yeah, they, they I think, I think I've heard that like they're all in the black for any any scenario. Um, so, you know, this is, you know, take them at your own risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you want to go week by week. The only time I would advocate a futures bet as, like, a serious gambling move where you're, like, only goals to make money and not just, like, to have fun is something like the Falcons were last week where you think they're going to win and win convincingly to a point where, like, future lines then will flip. Like, if Atlanta had eked by, you know, a cra- like the Rams and played crappy – maybe this game against the Eagles is like an even line. And then your money line is, you know, still paying you back hundred percent of what you bet. 
I wouldn't get back the money I bet on the Falcons in this game. Like I'd have to buy more dollars, basically. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. You see, so you know, value. Year. Yeah. That that value was early on. Um, yeah. It's so too like, late now, but like, yeah, yeah I agree. I, I can't remember what we had last week, but I I think we talked about how like it was twenty two Falcons one. number. That yeah, that's tasty. That was tasty. I did not uh, bet it because it was smart, and I wanted to do my money line with Falcons Panthers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you're feeling good about any of these teams, I'll hit them. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay put. Yeah, I got my teaser. I'll be all right. Yeah, I like that teaser. I'm, I'm thinking about that teaser. <laughs> hey, man, I relinquish it to you. Do what you want with it. All right, I'll I'm take sure it. my ten dollars didn't shift the line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's all I'd written down, man. Do you have anything else planned? I know you wanted to get going somewhat timely so you could go to your birthday dinner or whatever else you plan for yeah oh man i got a brazilian steakhouse on the way i'm pumped but um bug with chow baby dude so good uh, i'm in um real quick on uh you how, how was that uh the college champion you oh yeah i mean i didn't bet on it i i liked alabama minus three and a half the sharks loved georgia plus three and a half that ended up covering um i mean that game i was literally walking to bed and then I saw Alabama's backup, you know, scramble for that first down on that first drive he had. And I was, like, kind of hooked, and I watched the rest of that drive. And he was just slinging throws, and it literally kept me up. I, like, that game got so awesome so quickly. And I was a little negative on Fromm, but he really showed something, too. And I don't know, it's just the Bama machine, dude. So hard to beat. Yeah. I mean, A, like, two things. Uh, one, it reminded me of sort of the, you know, the Super Bowl from last year where you see these, you know, you see the, the, what was it, the Georgia, like snapping the ball with like 15, 10 seconds left it, up 20 and it just driving me fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> and you know, and like still like airing the ball out with Fromm who did play well and I think he's going to be great, but like Sony Michelle was tearing it up every single time he got the ball. Um, that, that drove me nuts. Um, and also, <laughs> this, I can't. I'm not even going to tr- try to pronounce his name. But Hawaiian Alabama quarterback. Yeah, totally that's wow that's got to be the most talented Alabama quarterback in our lifetime, right? Why was he not playing the whole year? What the hell? I mean, I <laughs> he, guess, was he was amazing. He was amazing. You can't afford a loss, but like you're telling me, he can't get a couple halves in against teams you're confident against. That dude had a cannon. See what you got? That guy's like, you know, he must be slinging it in practice every week. Whereas Jalen was not not Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, athletic, but he, I mean, he's a running back who could throw the ball, you know, 10 yards down the field. I mean, he was in, you know, reigning SEC player, you know, the year be damned. I mean, this guy, this guy Tua is, that guy's a quarterback, and I think everyone is just shitting their pants, you know. Next year. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's like bizarre because you, you watch the SEC and, like, they have literally the best NFL prospects at every position across the board except quarterback where they're always, like, crappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like why? Yeah, and yeah. Saban's been winning for years without a you know without a halfway decent quarterback. Yeah, it's like you have an now A-list he's got a offensive line. You have two you know always first round wide receiver prospects, great tight ends, and then you just roll out like AJ McCarron. It's like I don't get why they don't go sign because they could sign whoever they want. Why they don't go sign a great quarterback? And it this guy can throw, and I'd be very worried about guarding the the Crimson Tide next year. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. And now I think you know, every five-star quarterback, if they weren't looking already at Alabama, is thinking like, 
wait, I could win, you know, three national championships here. Like, this is, you know, as you said, like, the field is just stacked with NFL talent. Like, all I got to do is be, you know, halfway decent. If Saban could win with this guy off the bench, like, what could I do? Um, So, you know, once again, Darth Vader, Darth Vader, uh, you know, Nick Saban, you know, wins again. House always wins. Yep. (laughs) All right, man. Enjoy your birthday. It was good talking to you. Um, yeah, man. Until next week. This is fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later, but I have a New York weekend I'm trying to get together. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, let's All talk right. about that. Awesome, man. Enjoy. Take care. All right. Later, brother. Peace. So that was Tyler Gump on the NFL divisional round. Uh, good pod. Sad to miss Kurt Mingus, although duty calls and I don't pay. Um, so... That does it for this pod. Uh, earlier in the week, you caught, if you didn't catch it, you should go listen to my NBA podcast with my brothers, um, where we broke down Celtics Cavs as it stands and some other uh, NBA storylines, including uh, the West Top 4 and uh, kind of my revised thoughts on, on Fred Hoiberg and the Bulls. Um, Stay tuned through the week and into next week. Um, should have some cool stuff coming up uh, that I'm excited about. Um, so take care uh, and take it easy. Thank you for listening as always. 